We who are about to die salute you. Happy Monday, everybody. This is uh, Maury Turry Mondays, Episode 8, in which uh, Chris and Chris are going to break down Strike Force Maury Turry Number 8. Cover date right. of July. Yeah, right. Uh, cover date of July 1987. And uh, don't have a whole lot of housekeeping to do uh, to start. So figure what the heck. Let's just jump right in. Now, the take story. Me, take the, me back to the 80s, Chris. Take me back to 1987. 22 years, believe it or not. Or is it 32 years? How many years oh, is this? This is a long-ass time God, ago, don't, isn't it? Don't say that. I don't <laughs> want to date myself any further. This is true. This we're is... just telling our listeners that some of the best books were made back in the day, so... This if you weren't if you weren't uh if you weren't alive in the 80s well number one shame on you <laughs> oh, shame shame on your parents for not procreating earlier but mm-hmm. enjoy our comics because they're yeah. they're they're just better they 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 quite quite are uh, now <laughs> the one we're going to be discussing today has the title freshman which yeah. uh might be uh might be a little bit of a clue that we're gonna meet some new recruits today uh this one of as many have been so far, or as all of them have been so far, been written by Peter B. Gillis, pencils Brent Anderson, inks Scott Williams, letters Janice Chang, colors Max Scheel, edits Carl Potts, chief Jim Shooter. The boss. He is the man. Uh, the cover price, 75 cents USD, 95 cents Canadian, and 40p in the UK. Now, 40p, Chris. Let me start mm. with currency. I know that I bashed our, our good old Canadian dollar. I'm Canadian for folks <laughs> who, who who aren't picking up on the accent. I'm from the east coast of Canada. But when you look at our currency, every single thing is always more expensive in Canada. Don't ask. But when I look <laughs> over at the good old folks at the UK, they're at 40p. Now, for uh, for folks who don't know and are not, you know, well versed in the currency, uh, as a I will say minor adult growing up, uh, I actually went and did a purchase on eBay at one time, and okay. uh, boy did I think I was getting a deal on a set of Matchbox <laughs> Robotech figures at one time. So they were they were all in pounds, and of course I was not aware of currency, but I thought you know maybe it's within shooting distance, maybe like U.S. Canadian. Boy was I mistaken after I had to uh, remortgage the house to pay pay for my oh, six Robotech boy. figures. Man. <laughs> so so that's like a it looks like it's Canadian the Canadian dollar is like worth like half of the of a of a p right here a <laughs> little bit less than half like even a even a fraction fraction less because uh, when you look at 40p it automatically tricks your mind to think pennies i can afford yeah. 40 pennies <laughs> <laughs> well right. i'm on the i'm on the exact uh, opposite side from you so uh I'm on the border with a different country. I'm on the border with Mexico. And uh, so we do have pesos that uh, <laughs> pop up from now and again. And, uh, yes. No, I can are, afford pesos. <laughs> everybody can afford pesos. Uh, <laughs> we even have some uh, pizza establishments out here that uh, fomented a little bit of controversy because they accepted pesos for uh, for their, why, for their why fine would that be controversial? pizza pie. 
Oh, because this is America. Oh, they Come were on. currency discriminators, were they? They were. They were. Uh, yeah, they were appropriating uh, currency or, or whatever. I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> I, I one time went to Disney World and uh, someone asked me if they could have Canadian currency. I thought that was strange. One huh. person lo- one person looked at me and said, "Can you? Uh, do you guys got one of those tunas there?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "We certainly do." Well, can <laughs> I see one? I was like, "Sure." Then I pulled out a toonie, and they were just in awe of this lousy piece of currency. And anyway, we ended up giving it to them. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed your 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 toonie. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe they took a selfie with it or something. That's what I would have done. But uh, oh, the, my the joke that is Canadian money. My experience spending Canadian currency is trying to get a soda machine, wrestling with a soda machine to get like a Canadian quarter to go through. And because uh, it always sucked, like when you'd. Like if you put money in a candy machine or something and they gave you change, like if you put a dollar in and you got a quarter back and it would be a Canadian quarter. I'm like, what am I going to do with a Canadian quarter? <laughs> you might as well give me a button, you know, because you got to you got to actually wrestle with the machine to get it to even accept it. So the person before me probably like tosses it in like you try to get like that backspin. You try to put English on the uh, on the coin like you swing it down. It's like. Get in there! Get in there! Get in there! You're trying to fool the machine. It's like Fonzie, Fonzie trying to hit the jukebox to get that thing to work. And and like it became like a game of like, okay, well the candy machine didn't work. Maybe the soda machine will work. Okay, the soda machine didn't work. Maybe the payphone will work. And maybe the laundromat will work. It's just your entire existence for that afternoon is getting rid of this Canadian quarter. But uh, I I, I hear you, brother. I hear you. (laughs) Now this issue uh, has a July 1987 cover date and went on sale on march 24th 1987 a fine year almost around the time of wrestlemania 3 just about just about yes now now uh, we do have a solicit for this issue and uh this one reads the inventor of the monetary process must choose between obeying his government's orders and his own conscience on his decision rides the fate of the strike force and the solicit. The solicit really doesn't explain a whole heck of a lot about the issue, and it really, it, it almost feels like it's written for a different issue. Well, at least uh, you know they went ahead and did a solicit because you know Marvel is not known for doing any <laughs> solicits of anything to do with Strike Force Moratorium. But sure before we get into way. the before we get into the issue, let's uh, let's visit our good old recruit. So for those who don't know, we've got a little certificate program going on, and you too, our faithful listeners, can uh, join up and be part of this show every single Monday. So basically what happens, you DM us and say that you would like to uh, join the Strike Force team and help us battle the hordes, and uh, we're actually going to send you a little certificate via email with a code name and a specific set of powers, and every single episode, you and your moratory recruits will go into battle so how about that now an update on our last recruit so last time we checked in on our moratory members they were battling the training simulator which is similar to the danger room called the garden now after defeating the weapon systems they caused some pretty serious damage to the <laughs> property uh they they literally uh you know bankrupted uh moratory hq by uh, bashing out walls and ending up out in the lobby mm-hmm. so as a result, and for some penance, uh, some of the moratories ended up in some lockup. So Force Field and Lockshot get to spend a week in the brig. Now, poor Med, who's our third man, uh, he actually has healing powers, and he ended up in the medical facility, a nearby medical facility, mm-hmm. uh, where, luckily, his own healing powers have regenerated him a brand new left arm. So he had an arm severed in the garden last episode. 
And uh, but luckily he can regrow himself an arm. So, Love you know, it. healing powers come into play. You do not have to become ambidextrous and change hands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> now, suddenly there's an explosion in HQ and Med looks around the monitors. And they discover that there's damage sustained to the moratory jail that held Lockshot and Force Field. So it looks like we got ourselves a little horde invasion on HQ. Mm-hmm. Now, before he can leap into battle. A new recruit shows up at the door. Tune in next week. Dun, dun, dun. Love it. There Love you it. go. Now, I do like that our recruits are in the garden because the actual story opens up with some garden fallout. And, uh, you know, for a deeper explanation on the garden, you can listen to episode two. That's where they introduce the concept. And uh, we actually see our entire team go through the garden, uh, minus Aileen. They all go through the garden in order to manifest their powers like they had the the process put in them but they weren't they weren't showing that they had powers yet so this is kind of like a jump start kind of trial by fire and uh, you know either either grow powers or die is exactly. uh, is kind of the uh, motto of the garden but uh here in issue eight we open with dr tulima emerging from the garden and he's, oh, wait wait before before we jump in oh, i'd like sure. to talk a little bit about the cover oh yes so the it's cover it's one of my favorite covers. So basically it's got our new recruits, the three recruits, and they're running, you know, always running towards the screen, which as you know, if you listen to this show, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of people running or flying towards me. And in the background, they have our three lost members that we just lost. But it's curious that they added Robert to this particular list, but it's true. Anyway, it's true. So we have Harold, yeah. we have Lorna, and we have Robert, who are just like visages in behind the image. Beautiful image, freshman on the cover. We get to see that some change is afoot here, Mr. Sheehan. Beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a really cool cover. I, I had a lot of fun editing this one for uh for putting our branding on it. <laughs> it's a, it, it's <laughs> you, a really, really nice cover. You want you want to know an interesting um an interesting factoid about Strike Force Moratory number eight cover. Sure. Uh, in art class one time, I was uh, stretched to uh, to get an assignment in. This was during high school, mm-hmm. so I didn't know what to do. I, you know, uh, I always relied heavily on my comic book art to deliver the goods for me and a good score in art. And this time I was crunched for time, so I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So I just ripped off that cover blindly and just changed around a couple of characters and submitted oh, that it. as my art assignment and passed with a 90. Thank you, Strike oh. Force Moritori number eight. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have to tell uh, Brent Anderson that. that uh, he, <laughs> yes. helped you get, uh, he helped you get a really good grade in your art class. Thank you, Brent. <laughs> but this, this panel that you're talking about, the opening, is probably one of the better panels right out of the gate. I mean, what, a, what an opening panel, we'll say. Absolutely, yeah, because uh, we got Tulima, and he's, it's almost like that Pieta statue, you know, like or like Superman holding Supergirl during Crisis, you know. It's, yep. He's got this limp body in his hands, and uh, it's the limp body of, uh, well, <laughs> the, the our... The douchebag. Yes, our new favorite recruit, Will Degushi. Uh, the, yeah, the good... How do you say his name? Degushi? Degushi. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I just conflate it with douche. It's a... Uh, he's... He's kind of lame. Now, unfortunately, it looks like Will's probably going to survive. They toss, <laughs> they toss him into an electro tranquilizer device, and it's revealed there that it looks as though poor Will has suffered some neural damage. Now, Tulema ain't in the mood to suffer fools today, so he's just like, hey, idiots, then get him into neurology. You know, don't waste any more time. And so Will is hauled away, 
And as this is going on, the Doc reflects on the dangerous game they're all playing in fighting off the Horde. He thinks, mm. you know, Will almost died here. You know, Will almost died in the in the garden. But at the end of the day, does it even really matter? Because all these kids are going to be dead within a year anyway. You know, just our constant reminder that that clock is ticking. And uh, mm. and I mean, it, you know, his point is well taken. It's like, well, this guy, he 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 narrowly escaped here, but. Did he really? Because he's going to be dead soon anyway. Well, what what is really odd about this is that they are, you know, they've only got a year ahead of them anyway, but mm-hmm. yet they're risking portion of that year putting them through this damn garden <laughs> simulator, which basically mm-hmm. almost, I mean, as Will found out, almost encourages death ahead of time. So sure, sure, we lost I, uh, two members of the Black Watch that way before they could even uh, hit the scene. Yeah, I don't know if this uh, this whole simulator is money well spent, but anyway, we will see. <laughs> It makes for some good panels. I, I tell you what, as as a store manager myself, <laughs> if I had to put uh, my colleagues in jeopardy just during their training, <laughs> I don't know if I would be considered a good manager. I'm just saying. Yeah, crawl into the baler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, finish, finish module one, sudden death. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, Tulima retires to his quarters, and he gazes upon a portrait of Albert Einstein. Now, he wonders if future generations, if there are any, will list him among the Einsteins of the world or perhaps the Mangalas. Now, since mm. I'm guessing, I'm guessing everybody knows who Albert Einstein is, but uh, uh, jo- Josef Mengele is uh, the also known as the Angel of Death. He was a physician at Auschwitz during World War II, and he used concentration camp inmates for some bizarre, cruel, horrible human experimentation, which, yeah. I mean... Tulima is, you know, he is experimenting with humans. So, I mean, there is a, a, a cause to uh, to consider him a, a Mangala of sorts. True. Uh, Absolutely. Because I mean, I don't... He's, he's literally killing or responsible for creating yeah, cool. a, a scenario where young people die ahead of time, you know, defending sure. the planet. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't I doubt Mangala thought that he was doing things evilly. Right. So, I mean, it's he I think he thought he was right headed. Uh, Tulima thinks he's right headed. And. At the end of the day, are they all that much different in their, you know, in their own heads? It's that is a that is a good point. You, you got to think. I mean, people in history, you know, we talk about crazy acts of, you know, human atrocities and all sure. that stuff. But one of the things that's interesting, and if you read a lot about books about world wars and all that stuff, is that sometimes their intention, they honestly think that they are yep. doing good for the world. You know what I mean? In some twisted form or fashion, but absolutely, to, in some perverted. Lima, being were, one of yeah. them. Yeah. For sure. Now, before he could finish this uh, rather deep thought, uh, he receives a call from neurology, and uh, it appears that Will has woken up already, and he's already asking to speak to Talima. So, uh, Will, looks like Will's going to be all right. Ugh, we didn't We didn't even get two minutes of death with this guy. We didn't even get <laughs> right? joy, joy mourning his ass. <laughs> I think we had like four panels of, of Will-less air. So, uh, <laughs> uh, now we jump ahead one entire week. Now, this is where our remaining Moraturi trio are being fished out of the Mid-Atlantic. If you remember last issue, or last week, uh, they used escape pods from the uh, from the big, huge horde warship or whatever it was to uh, to beat a hasty retreat. You know, they uh, they what was it? There was like thousands of these escape pods and they jumped into some random ones so they could all escape and just kind of get away, you know, because uh, 
because they didn't want the horde to be able to track them or you know zero in on which pods they were in and it was a really good uh really good plan to, to get away to be honest um now the our, our trio are jaylene aileen and lewis because robert stayed behind if you remember now Fished out of the uh, they're fished out of the Mid Atlantic and they're greeted by the news media. There, this is like live coverage on television here. It's like, oh, our heroes are back. Yep. Um, they're also greeted by Commander Beth Neon, who gets a weird middle name of Lias. Yes, I don't I don't know where that came from, but hmm. yeah, it it's, looks it's like... funny. It's funny they add this little layer of detail eight issues in. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> and Beth Neon is looking her most roguish she's ever looked. Oh, totally. Totally. It's it's it, this is Rogue Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh, look here. It's crazy. They, they literally went from like mild suggestion of Rogue to full on Rogue. Full, <laughs> it's, really I, it's like I expect Destiny and Mystique to walk on the panel here. It's uh, absolutely looks just like Rogue. But yeah, so she's Commander Beth Lius Neon. It's it's L I U S. I don't know how to pronounce that. I, I don't know how to pronounce most words, but Lius. I don't know. <laughs> Um, they're also greeted by the actor Guy Harding, who is playing Lewis in the Strike Force Murray Turi VHS series or vid series. Can we do a count of thin mustache people? In this oh, book alone, Lord. we have Will, Will <laughs> the, the, Gucci, the Douche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the douche. He is uh, he has a pencil thin mustache. We have Dr. Tulima with a pencil thin mustache. We Lewis. have Lewis. Pencil thin mustache, and now we have Lewis's clone, Mr. Guy Harding, pencil thin mustache. I don't know. This seems like Perv Central here or something. I don't know what's happening. This is yeah, it's a uh, Nambla convention or something. It's uh, <laughs> just imagine stuff. if this hit TV in 2019. So one of the first things that you would have to change <laughs> is the pencil thin mustache thing, because that don't fly in 2019, brother. It sure doesn't. It sure doesn't. Now, in addition to these three, uh, or these entities here, they are met by the three freshmen. And uh, we will officially meet this trio in just a little bit. Now, Jaylene emerges from the pod, and she rushes over to hug Beth Lius Neon. Uh, the commander calls Lewis over for a hug as well, claiming that he's neither too big nor too ugly to hug. And, uh, I mean, he's he's not that ugly, right? I mean, he's got the weird mustache, but he's not that ugly. <laughs> oh, no, he's a sex pot back in 87. <laughs> he is. Probably 77, too, from, uh, from his <laughs> outfit. But, uh, now, Aileen, instead of rushing over to, to uh, Beth, she rushes over to Guy Harding. Remember, they're kind of an item at this point. Um, and Aileen is kind of... Uh, not not so much promiscuous promiscuous she's just trying to trying to cram an entire life's worth of romance into one year it seems she's yep, really exactly. she's really trying to make the best use of her time now the rookies look on and they're unsure if they're gonna fit in with these you know relatively speaking veterans they are very uncomfortable they don't know exactly where they stand now the news cameras are primed on beth neon and she delivers a statement she speaks of the great sacrifices that the strike force has already made. I mean, what's her face? Lorna's dead. Harold's dead. Robert remained on the Horde ship. So for all intents and purposes, he's, he's kind of dead too. Yep. Uh, at this point, she also formally introduces those freshmen. Now we got these three folks here. We got Ruth Mestarakis, and she is also known as Toxin with a Y. T-O-X-Y-N. That's fancy. And uh, she kind of looks like a female Harpo Marx with longer hair. <laughs> you nailed it. It's like she's very bizarre looking. Um, we got Will DeGucci as Scatterbrain. 
who has and healed miraculously in this short time. He has indeed. We have Pilar Lasso is Scaredy Cat. And uh, yes, Scatterbrain and Scaredy Cat are pretty dumb names, but there is a reason for that. We will we will discuss it as we work our way through. Yep. Now, Neon's news is interrupted by a light in the sky. Now, we can all see that the Horde flagship has exploded high above the Earth. And everyone realizes that uh, since Robert was on board, he very likely perished in the blast. But, I mean, this is comics and there wasn't a body. So, uh, who who could say? Mm. Hmm. I'm not sure we're going to mourn Robert just yet. No. Now, now, the newscaster announces it as a death, but uh, we're not going to confirm nor deny that. <laughs> now, the freshmen look on, and they're they're really kind of struggling. They feel so out of place and uncomfortable. I mean, this big thing just happened to the team, and they're really not part of the team yet, in you know, in in as many words. And uh, they decide to wait a little while before making introductions to the old guard. You know, they are. They're really standoffish. They're like the, you know, when you when you're in high school and like you transition over to the actual high school and all of a sudden you're around a different set of people and oh, you know, yeah. you're you're really standoffish and you're like and I mean they're really really hesitant to engage. I mm-hmm. mean even when you know even when they're pulled out of the ocean, one of the new recruits are are you know they're standing in the back and they're whispering to each other and they're like, so like what are we doing here? <laughs> I feel like a voyeur just standing here. It's very, very <laughs> clicky, I mean? yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny, like on a meta level, when we started reading these issues with the new people in them, we were very standoffish. It's like, oh, I hate these people already. Right away, because they're going to take away our heroes. They're taking yeah. their spot. They're yeah, taking just... our spot, brother. <laughs> it's true. Liver spot, orange spot, dog spot. <laughs> it's uh, it's just really, um, it's really weird because we become so comfortable so quickly with our original, what was it, six, we had six characters to start, yeah, right? Yeah, six characters. Yeah, so we had our Great original character. six, yeah, and now half of them are gone and have been replaced with just this 50% new characters, and it's uh, it's really weird, because I don't know that I've read a comic that's done something like this before. Not uh, so early, not so quick. Yeah, like, the only thing I can think of is, like, Cap's kooky quartet uh, in the Avengers, where, where like, the... I hate that name. Cap's kooky quartet. <laughs> it's dumb, isn't it? Oh, someone paste Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I can kind of compare this to, is that, you know, they, you know, Iron Man was gone, Thor was gone, and in yeah. his place were, we had Scarlet Witch, uh, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye, so it was, like, a totally different team, but, uh... You know, well, they didn't kill Thor and Iron Man, though if it was 2019, they probably would have killed them three or four times. But uh, back then, they didn't do that kind of thing so often. Yep. Now, as we said, the freshmen, they're, they're very clickish here. They're struggling. They don't know what to do. They're uncomfortable, and they decide uh, they're going to wait, you know. Um, and those introductions do eventually come one panel later. Yeah. So we're going to wait one panel because there was a time <laughs> shift between panels. Uh, so do you want to know what the newbie's powers are? Ooh, yes, mm. yes. Yes, I do. Will Taguchi, scatterbrain. He's a telepath. Now, he can broadcast thoughts and feelings, but he can only do so indiscriminately. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's very, uh, this, very useful. These, these, this power set is, like... I'm just telling you, if you're if you're selecting a, a team, and I know I've said this over and over, <laughs> if you're judging by, hey, Captain America, you know, you've got superhuman strength and a shield, and then you've got the douche scatterbrain who's a telepath, 
who can only broadcast thoughts indiscriminately. Who are you yep. picking? Let's be honest here. <laughs> It's like it's like when you're trying to hard boil an egg and you take it out after five minutes and it's not fully done. Like uh, that's that's what Will Deguchi is here. He needs more time in the garden so he can focus his uh, telepathy here. But uh, yeah, so like his whole thing is that you know he can he can broadcast these thoughts and feelings. He can get into people's heads, but he can't put thoughts in just your head. It's just going to be everybody in the vicinity is going to be affected. Good guys, bad guys. It's like doing one of the like most powerful magic spells in Final Fantasy or something where it's like you're going to hurt the bad guys, but you're also going to hurt your team. So it's exactly. uh, it's sort of a weird um, and seemingly uh, not too valuable <laughs> power set. <laughs> now, it's worth noting that his leg has a heavy brace on it due to the garden injuries, which I don't know about you. That doesn't seem like a neuro- neurological injury to me unless no, his uh, – yeah. <laughs> The garden. Oh boy, who else gets a neurological injury and gets a leg brace? It's the it's the future, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we got a uh, Pilar Lasso. She is scaredy cat. Now her power is that her speed has been in- increased tenfold, and she can also induce panic or shock reactions. I don't know how that works, but that, she said that, it, so what? we're gonna believe that is, it. That is somewhat useful. Think about if you're able to in- entice panic in your. Um, to your enemy. I mean that that would be that would be a pretty decent power, especially combined with speed. So, you know, with Miss Lasso there, I, I think the Scaredy Cat powers are not too shabby. She she could even take the place of uh, Scatterbrain here, because I mean yeah. she she basically <laughs> can do what he can do, but uh, I, we don't know if it's indiscriminate or not. So oh. uh, <laughs> now we learn here that she and Will chose each other's names. So it's like he gave me a bad name, so I gave him a bad name back. So <laughs> that explains why they're called Scatterbrain and Scatty Cat. So, Amazing. Yes, because you you would hope they wouldn't have chosen that for themselves. <laughs> no. Uh, we got Ruth Mestarakis Toxin. Now it's what's interesting about her is that she's got like almost the opposite power set as Jaylene, where Jaylene can analyze things and concoct cures in a way. Uh, Ruth. She does the opposite. She makes poisons. So hmm. she can analyze what someone's, I don't know, maybe allergic to or just something that their body would be susceptible to. And ba-boom, they got their, their, their toxified. So All of a sudden, the uh, the horde is sitting in a room of peanuts. And they're, all, <laughs> they're all choking. <laughs> <laughs> There's peanut dust in the air. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, now, you, you ever – speaking of that, we had uh, – I worked – for a very large uh, government complex at one time where uh, there was one person in the entire organization who had a popcorn allergy. So there was only one uh, break room. There were like 15 break rooms in this building, and there was only one break room where you could make popcorn because uh, because she had this popcorn allergy. So Heaven, heaven forbid. We, we, <laughs> heaven forbid the one single person make an accommodation and, you know, choose choose the one. No, we've got to influence the entire gosh darn area to make room for this. Uh, uh, anyway, it just gotta, irritates me to death to no end. you got to walk a half mile to the other side of the building if you want to make popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and there would actually be, like, you know, the Ghostbuster logo with, like, the circle with the <laughs> slice through it. It would be like popcorn in that circle with the slice through it. <laughs> oh, Chris. I mean, it is to the point where you cannot walk in public with deodorant. You have to walk in stinking. You <laughs> you know, you, you can't eat fish. You can't eat peanuts, which, which, you know what? Honestly, it always irritated me, the people who brought fish to work. Anyway, like oh, what? Why, yeah, why, oh. why are you in the break room using our microwave for fish? 
Yeah, because you're <laughs> never going to get that smell out. Everything you put in there afterwards yes. is going to taste like fish or smell Your like fish. Your popcorn is like salmon. You're like, what? <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. It's funny. I actually went on a job interview probably 20 years ago where they told me um, that they told me not to wear cologne or deodorant before I went in. <laughs> they told me awesome. that. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand why, but I guess there there was an allergy in the office. So I wasn't. Uh, they, they said when I show up for the interview, do not wear anything with an odor. Don't do don't wear don't wear any cologne. Don't wear any aftershave. Um, don't chew gum and don't uh, and don't wear deodorant. <laughs> so either so either there don't was look an allergy. sideways. You may influence someone's allergies. You so either know. there was an allergy or a very bizarre fetishist in that office. <laughs> I, I don't know which, and I don't know which I'd prefer actually. But, I don't know uh, if you've had these these type of restaurants, but we had a uh, we have a chain up here called Eastside Mario's in Canada, okay. and they're they're like an Italian style restaurant. And one of their gimmicks was around the bar they would have peanuts like big mm-hmm. large bowls of peanuts and okay. the gimmick was you could open the shell of the peanut and throw it on the floor oh yeah we've so, got places like that. Yeah, yeah so you guys got places like that right just think mm-hmm. about that in 2019 how suitable that would be in the era of peanut allergies oh, you're, boy, you're walking into imagine. a bar literally crushing peanut shells beneath your feet with every step in. yep <laughs> oh man we've come a long way or or we backpedaled i don't know which <laughs> <laughs> one or the other no <laughs> As these introductions are going down, Aileen and Guy are making time off to the side. They're talking. And uh, Aileen is, I mean, she's taking the Jaylene role of being the resident sad sack here. She's uh, kind of, you know, nebbish. Uh, she mentions that no matter how great she and Guy's relationship is, it, it's just a short-term thing. And uh, Guy tries to comfort her. He's like, oh, no, you, you know, if you when you die, it'll be the best part of me that dies. And... Uh, Somehow this works. Yeah. I, no, so, what a beautiful panel. There's a little panel where where uh, Aileen is hugging into Guy Harding, and it's mm-hmm. it's just the look of it. I mean, just the vibe of it. You could really see the emotion. You could see oh, like yeah. just the way he's holding her. Like, Anderson does a great job just emoting through his through his visuals, and I think oh, that great face. Yeah. And he's always got this one panel per almost per comic book where it's just stands out and, and like without even a word being said, you just, you feel the emotion leaping off the page. And I think that's one of the strengths of this entire book. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's funny. I'm looking at that panel right now. And if you look at it really quick, it almost looks like an Alan Davis panel. Yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like Aileen's face looks very Alan Davis ish. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a really, really good panel here, but uh, yeah, whatever, whatever guy's telling her it's working. So that's a, that's a good thing. Which either speaks to the flightiness of Aileen or maybe her her bipolar nature at this point in time or whatever it is. But uh, <clears throat> but she's uh, she's OK. Now we jump back to the rest of the crew. Now, Ruth Mastrakis Toxin, uh, she seems to be falling into place as our new point of view character because uh, we're in her head a lot here. And uh, she notes that the Strike Force veterans are very nice people. You know, she was not expecting these people who are basically weapons for the government to be so nice and personable. I mean, we got Lewis here uh, making, you know, complimenting uh, Scaredy Cat's hair. You know, he's like, oh, I bet it takes a week and a half to wash that because she's got a lot of hair. Uh, but <laughs> she's so, she's like taken aback that they're just so folksy. You know, they're nice folks. And uh, uh, uh in a way, she claims that this makes everything even more scary. You know, these people are so nice, but their whole gimmick is that they're 
killing machine. So it's yeah, it, there's this weird dissonance there that uh that really grounds you and and really gives you that slap of reality for this Earth here. Now indeed, we shift ahead to Murray Turi Mountain. Jaylene is giving a holographic presentation to all the bigwigs regarding her their findings on the Horde ship. If you remember, she found in she found a whole lot of data about the Horde's uh, hoodoos and whatnots. Um, Beth pops her head in to check out what's going on, and then suddenly the Horde scramble signal sounds. Jaylene, as you might imagine, rushes off to join her team. However, those bigwigs have decided that what's in her head is far too valuable to risk losing in battle, so they forbid her from leaving. Mm. Mm. So Jaylene cannot join her team in battle. Uh, Jaylene ain't about to be stopped, and you know we mentioned last week that she is like evolving in a way. She uh, she's able to leap tall buildings. She's able to uh, she's very quick. You know she's faster than a locomotive, and now uh, now she's really powerful. She actually picks Beth Neon up by her collar over her head with one arm. She's gone from like the bottom of the proverbial cracker barrel to <laughs> to the main dog by attrition. So, I mean, you know, you mm-hmm. lost your three most powerful people in the group, allegedly. Uh, and now just literally you have good old uh, adept and she is literally mm-hmm. the most powerful to the point where they keep her off the team and in, in, from engaging mm-hmm. in battle. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, she actually, like we said, she picks Beth Neon up and moves her to the side, one-handed, uh, yes. but ultimately relents. Because Beth tells her in no uncertain terms that uh, her staying behind is a non-negotiable order. And, uh, you know, she kind of, she's like, but they need me. They need me. And she's like, nope, you stay here. But they need me. <laughs> no, you stay here. No, it's bad, bad to stay. <laughs> but uh, now the rest of the team loads into the railgun and they now, fire here, b- hmm? Before you start. Sure. Every single episode where when they go to go to one of their uh, launch ships or whatever, when they're ready mm-hmm. to head into battle, there's always an awkward scene where they're jumping or running towards like nobody literally walks to these shuttles. <laughs> they they do these awkward leap. series of jumps, <laughs> leaps, dives, rolls. And it's just another panel here, which it just strikes me as weird. I don't know what the intention is. It's true. It's they're They're just all an S to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they they hop into the railgun, which is kind of like a uh, it's a it's a transport uh, vehicle here, and uh, it fires off to San Francisco, and it takes 13 minutes to get there. Hmm. Upon arrival, what they see is a giant horde ship. Hmm? Oh, I lost you there. Uh, upon arrival, they see a giant horde ship hovering in the skies above a discolored Golden Gate Bridge. It's a it's like a gray Golden Gate yeah, Bridge. Which it's really odd. Is, a little weird. Um, and the ship little, itself, the ship itself, the design of the ship is like a tip of a corkscrew, which is really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really, true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a really interesting of, design. It's true. It's very true. Um, now, the Horde commander who's inside this uh, golden corkscrew uh, delivers a message stating that San Francisco will fall and it will serve as the funeral pyre for their dead leader, the Stark Fist. Oh. Stark Fist is his name, I think. Uh, this is written in the, that Horde alphabet, which is uh, like the Palm Pilot alphabet. It's a little weird to read <laughs> when you're just scanning over it. So it's either like the Stank Fist or the Stark Fist. I'm going to guess it was the Stark Fist. Um, What's a Stank Fist? <laughs> I don't want to know. Don't Google that. Um, <laughs> no, he, he promises that the human lives lost will be painful and slow. And he assures them, hey, before you all die, 
it's all the Murray Turi's fault. <laughs> so <laughs> spend the last few moments of your life hating them. And, uh, oh, by the way, if your bodies ain't burnt up too bad, you're going to be eaten, too. So <laughs> you have that to look forward to. It's like a barbecue. Everyone's it invited. And they, they all become multitaskers because, you know, food becomes waste and they eat the waste, too. So it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. they're the it's gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> now, on board the Murray Terry ship, uh, Radiant and Toxin, they uh, like they hear this big presentation by the, the commander, uh, the horde commander, and like they almost instinctively hold each other's hands. You know, so maybe there's something brewing between the I, two of them. I think it's the stash. I think it's the stash. It's, it, you know. It, it's it's irresistible. <laughs> it's irresistible. And, and what have Will we just, been doing all these years? <laughs> I know. And Will just needs a little bit thicker. and He'll be uh, he'll be in the game, you know. <laughs> um, now, on the Horde craft, we see that the commander of this mission has adorned himself with some Earth flair, you know. He's got a, a skeleton key as an earring, uh, a Lincoln penny. Uh, just uh, tacked onto his shirt, an ET button, you know, the extraterrestrial. Absolutely. And also a button that reads, beam me up, Scotty, which, if you remember our Mandela effect uh, discussions here, Kirk never said that. I got, you listen, I got to do some research on that. (laughs) Man, something so prominent in pop culture for people to just be making that stuff up like Sinbad style, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I, I, I guess so. Now, our commander here, wearing the anachronistic buttons here, he, uh, he orders a demonstration to begin. And uh, with the press of a button, we assume, maybe through a lever or flip the switch, we don't know, uh, the not-so-Golden Gate Bridge begins to melt. Ooh. So it's uh, that's their demonstration to show that they are not messing around. Uh, also, drones. They release drones into the air. So there's drones flying all over San Francisco. The bridge is melting, and it's all the Murray Turi's fault. Now, our team attempts to plan their next move. However, without Harold, Robert, or Jaylene, they're kind of stumped. They yep. don't know what to do. They're just like, well, we're here. We got powers, but what do we do with them? They decide that they need a diversion in order to get closer to this big horde ship. Now, Ruth, of all people, Toxin, brand new to the team, she suggests that they attempt to read the frequencies of the drones and look for a spike in their static spectrum and of then course. exploit it. Which, you know, uh-huh. that's that's common sense, right? Common Quick, sense. Robin, let's check out their static spectrum. <laughs> yes, I, I just course. happen to have my static, static spectrum spray in my belt. <laughs> but uh, they read the monitors and, uh, hey, check it out. They actually see a spike. And it's one that Radian's light powers could mess with. And mm-hmm. so that's exactly what he does. He he tells the kids to, to shield their eyes and uh, maybe put some sunblock on before he blasts. And uh, he does it. So he so, does his blast. So and, his powers, again, his light bulb powers. <laughs> yes. Actually serve yet another purpose. So I guess I guess our thought of, uh, you know, Lewis's useless lighting powers, his dazzler effect <laughs> is not so bad after all. He always finds a way this Lewis. Mm-hmm. That's that's a uh, that's Lewis will find a way. That's a that's a that should be like the name of a, of a yacht rock song or something. <laughs> but uh, now he blasts. He does this this spectacular light show uh, exploits that uh, spike in the spectrum and the drones they blow up and uh but also the moriturri ship does as well because <laughs> this is all the diversionary tactic of course 
because in, in before the ship blew up, thankfully, our heroes bailed out because they got close enough to that horde ship because you know, this whole thing was a, you know, juke and jive and zig when you should zag and all that good stuff. <laughs> so we've got our entire team on like the hull of this craft and uh, they're all looking at each other like, cool, what now? You know, we're here. And that's a really good question because nobody seems to know what the next step should be. And the weird thing is they're all turning to Ruth of all people for guidance because she had a good idea once. So stands to reason she'll have a good idea again, you know, discounting the fact that she's only been a member of the team for like 20 minutes at this point. And uh, Aileen says that uh, Robert would just tear a hole in the hull at this point. Yeah, that doesn't help anybody, Aileen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for that yeah and, and and lorna would have zapped it and and harold would have uh recorded something into his vvcom but none of them are here right now <laughs> uh ruth replies with hey aileen you've got melty powers right how about you use them right yeah, you, you, you can idea. do that thing with your hand with the mo- molecules so how about you stop talking and just do that uh <laughs> aileen does exactly as she was told and and she acts as though she would have never thought about this on her own she's like oh yeah I could do that. Whoa, okay. bro. <laughs> it's like, I wonder, was there like a lack of oxygen in their escape pod last <laughs> issue? Because they, they were all acting so dumb. I, I don't know if this is just an indictment on the fact that they need a leader or that they, they feel more comfortable with a leader. But, I mean, they're not even thinking to use their own powers. I think they're playing off the fact that you have a group of amateurs here. You know, they're starting out. This is their first proverbial mission. So, you know, they're scrambling to come up with an independent thought between them. So right, it's, it's, so it's weird. trial by fire. <laughs> now, the strike force enters the ship through that hole, hole in the hull that Aileen melts through. And they come right into a locked door. Aileen stands there like an idiot until Scaredy Cat asks her to do that hoodoo with the door. You know, it's like, hey, you, you got us in the hole. How about you try it on the door, too? Yeah, let's And she's do it like, again. oh, yeah, well, I could do that. Whoa, bro. <laughs> Twice in one day. So she does it. And inside the door is, and if you're following along with this program, you know, behind every door is the horde. Of so course. Literally the- waiting in the lurch at all times. Yep. Now, two of the newbies get to show their stuff here. We got scaredy cats zigging and zagging all over the place. And Scatterbrain transmit a feeling of fear into the air. And uh, if you remember, his powers can't zero in on just the bad guys. So everybody is feeling the fear, which I kind of like it as a scene because like the whole time they're like telling each other, it's like, remember, this is just this is fake. This is fake. Just go (laughs) upon your business. This is only supposed to be for the bad guys. Don't tell them this is fake. But uh, Radian asks Toxin if she has any ideas, and she flips out. She's like, "Why? Why are you? Why are you looking to me? I'm not your leader. You know, stop it. You're putting too much pressure on me. I've been here 15, 20 minutes tops, and you're asking me for guidance." And uh, Lewis is a little bit gobsmacked. It's like. It's almost like he didn't realize that they'd been leaning on her so much already. He's <laughs> Listen, like, if, if I was a, if I was a leader at this point, and I looked over and the next the next guy who would have been in command has light powers, you know what? I'm gonna start making some decisions for myself. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually should have done an issue where Lewis was in charge because he always wants to disengage. It's like, hey, there are let's bad guys coming. Let's let's go this way. Let's go this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Now, meanwhile, Aileen is trying to use her powers on this next door. Uh, You know, this is the third door in, or the hull of the door, and then this next door. 
And uh, she actually didn't have to be explicitly told to do it. So this is a, a step in the right direction. Uh, but there is a problem because this door proves to be too much for her powers. Now, Lewis uses his electromagnetic powers, which uh, I forgot he even had, in oh, yeah. order to... Yeah, that's, that's a weird one. He does this in order to short-circuit the works of the door. And it manages to lift up just enough for Aileen to slide her hands underneath and then use her melty powers to get it uh, to get them access here. Now, uh, what do you think's on the other side of this door? Hmm, I wonder... <laughs> more horde including <laughs> the commander and uh you know almost like stereo or cl- cliche he's got his finger on a button <laughs> you know <laughs> he's like one more step and san francisco becomes a crater it's and, a, uh, it's uh, it's always the, the the crazy henchman with the large button and we've seen this already twice in this issue uh one true. when they were fighting the uh the head the uh, the head drones or whatever in one of the early issues and all that stuff. Oh, someone always had a has a detonation button. Yep. You know what? There's no sequence, like computer sequence, to launch something. Nope. It's one clicker. <laughs> and I'll press it too, okay? And it's always such an enticing, you know, shiny button that you just would really like to push. You know, it's <laughs> it really, really begs to be pushed. Now, the Mori Turi are stunned. They're literally just standing there. They're like, huh. Okay, he's got a button. If we take another step, he's going to push it. Huh, what do we do? Now, Ruth, just like we are noticing, she realizes that nobody is doing anything. And she's like, what, what's the deal with these people? They're just standing here. What's going on? So she figures that maybe I'm going to have to step up one more time. And so she uh, just concocts this awesome act, I think where she rushes towards the commander like in a panic. She calls him a monster, and she claims that her family lives in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they very well might, but that's not really the point here. This is this is her kind of going off on her own here and, uh, you know, just concocting a scenario that she can exploit. So the horde, the, the henchmen, they grab her, and they give her a punch in the gut. All the while, she's begging for mercy. She begs them, pleads with them not to kill her family. And that horde commander, he wanders over and he's like, he's like, ah, this is kind of adorable, isn't it? The Morituri are begging me. And he really enjoys that. He's getting his kicks off of seeing these uh, Morituri warriors beg him for mercy. And uh, he orders that uh, that Ruth be released. He's like, yeah, let her go. She's a coward. She's worthless. She's not going to do anything. So let her go for now. Super clever. Yeah, and then like almost like to thank him for this act of mercy, she clasps her hands around his giant hand and continues to beg for mercy and plead. And she does this just long enough for her toxic powers to paralyze him. So it was all a means to an end. She tricked him into this prone position where she could exploit his this one fleeting act of mercy or just being entertained <laughs> by the begging. And, the commander uh, really doesn't get it, does he? He does <laughs> not indeed. He does not indeed. And uh, he's paralyzed by by toxins, toxins. And after this point, uh, Ruth yells for Lewis to use his powers on the Horde engine, and he does. And uh, I don't know if this is like him needling her or him kind of like bowing to her, but he refers to her as leader as he's like, you got it, leader. So I don't know if he's just trying to mess yeah, with I think him. he's being a little bit sarcastic where we had the incident previously. <laughs> oh, so you're acting like a leader suddenly, are we? Oh, well. yeah, it's like, yeah, come on, come on, Lewis, pick your battles here. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> exactly. But uh, now after he blows up this engine, the Horde ship crashes into San Francisco Bay. 
Our issue wraps up with Lewis and Ruth chatting, and the former apologizes to the latter for leaning so hard on her during this mission. And Ruth, you know, she's she's cool with it. She accepts his apology, and she suggests that from this point on, you know, the Horde's not messing around. So uh, they're going to need each other to lean on from this point on. So uh, I guess she she might as well get used to it as well as everyone else on the team. Might as well get used to being leaned on a little hard. So uh, that's how we end our issue. And uh, our following issue, our, our, our blurb, promises to visit the undiscovered country, dash, dash, exclamation point. Hmm. So uh, whatever that means, we will find out next week. Well, I think so, we had a I think we had a decent issue here. I think we got to see the recruits. They're put mm-hmm. into action right away. Uh, you know, we really get to see some elevation of character in Jaylene, where you know suddenly she's become you know indispensable to the Moratory Project. We got to see you know uh, Doctor Tulima. You know, he's really really having this you know battle of conscience. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, we got to see the new recruits, some of them in action. We get to see one who's standing out as a leader and some of their powers in use. And it's it, it's kind of cool. So from the cover to the to the last page, I think we got a lot of content and a lot of, uh, you know, good information in this one. Is it the best issue out of the series? No, but I think no. a good, good introduction to new characters. So, you know, you're down to three technically Strikeforce Moratory originals. Mm-hmm. And now you just introduced almost seamlessly three new recruits, but uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was a decent issue. Yeah, this is like like textbook team book. You know, it is. It's uh, like we 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 are introduced to these new recruits, and uh, they all get a little moment in the sun. You know, uh, we see what their powers can do. We can we get a little bit of personality from all of them. Um, I like Ruth as a new point of view character. She's basically slipped into the Harold role. Um, oh, as even, do I. Yeah, even even down to like the the weird hair. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she just needs that weird thing in the front, and uh, maybe she just pull all the rest from the back to the front, and she'll be like a <laughs> super Harold. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, she's the one that uh, is just the the defaulted leader now. It's weird how the uh, the other ones are kind of just going with whatever she suggests, um, which is a lesson, you know. Don't you know? Don't be good at something you don't want to do. she proves to be you know an efficient leader but then all of a sudden she's looked at as a leader it's like ah crap i I wasn't expecting that so uh never become good at something you don't want to actually do (laughs) um the team here our originals uh the two that we saw in battle somehow like regressed to a point where they were just flailing and they've, they've seen some stuff you know they've seen some crap over the past several issues it might stand to reason that they're they're really just not sure what's going on. Uh, we've got Aileen who's just battling these weird emotions, uh, coming to grips with her mortality uh, without. And it's it's funny because it's like it's almost like if you woke up on Christmas morning, you know, you expect presents under a tree on Christmas morning. Definitely. And when you go downstairs and there's no presents there, it, it hurts all the more than just like on a regular day where you don't get something, you know, because exactly. you're expecting. Your ex- yes, your expectations are destroyed. Absolutely. So we have Ruth who goes into this process with a certain expectation of fame and fortune and glory and idolhood, basically. And all of a sudden she's got these powers and it, it didn't it didn't fix her life. Exactly. You know, it's it's like she goes from this tremendous high with these expectations. You know, this is going to fix everything to the realization that, well, not only did I just doom myself, but my life ain't all that great. You know, I, I'm in love with this dude who, uh, who's going to live on without me. 
and uh, no matter what he says and no matter how how uh, comfortable she appears to be with what he says, at the end of the day, uh, she's going to go her way and he's going to go his because that's the only way it's going to be. So we've got her who's in the who's in this like weird headspace suddenly called out to San Francisco to fight where she comes across as completely uh you know scatterbrained <laughs> you know not <laughs> literally to steal, not to steal our, our our boy's name here but uh she's just she doesn't even realize that she's got powers that she can use it's like instead of realizing that she has strength within her and abilities within her she reflects on the past she's like well robert would have just torn in yeah, absolutely like, well, it's like well but you can do that too rob robert ain't here <laughs> he stayed behind and the thing is we we're going we're seeing these characters without context so they've been training yeah. for quite a while for several issues now oh yeah and we've only got to see little portions of them so we haven't seen any of their background any oh. of their characterization you know characterization dynamic so we're sort of getting that right now in one issue so you know we're oh, yeah. we're, com- we're coming in hot here you know what i mean yeah, and like since since our veterans have been so busy lately, we don't know that they whether or not they've even been able to watch film of these new characters. So they they don't know what their powers are. They you can't you can't establish a game plan without knowing what everybody brings to the table. So with our veterans, Aileen and and Lewis, you'd assume one of them would take over as at least field leader. You know, or an interim field leader for for the first for the first new mission, you know, exactly. But none of them know anything about these three. It's like they had to have their powers told to them. We can't even balance. You can't even come in with like a game plan because you have, you know, say, for example, you're Lewis and you have two new recruits with the, you know, the other moratory characters played off each other. He knew that he yep. could blend his powers with Lorna. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it would work with these guys. He don't even know what the heck they do. Yeah, for so. all he knows, Scaredy Cat has like the power of origami. You know, I mean, who knows? It's it's just you just gave you me an idea. <laughs> I'm sorry to whatever recruit gets that power. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I I do love that uh that Jaylene is looked at as being um too valuable to risk losing. I thought love that it. was really cool. Really, uh, it, it added a whole other level uh, layer to her character because. I mean, she's she's our Catholic who, uh, as a Catholic myself, I know the the power of Catholic guilt. Um, that's about like the <laughs> like the main part of Catholicism that I ascribe to is the guilt. So uh, I do know that Jaylene probably feels a measure of guilt to begin with, and now the fact that the rest of her team are going to be in harm's way while she's you know just in this cushy. You know, conference room, you know, eating bagels and, and doing holographic, you know, projections here. I'm sure that that's going to that's going to hurt her. It's going to that's going to hit her conscience pretty hard. Yeah, I um, think I think that Louie would have done her a favor and stay in here in her place and say to depth <laughs> to do the. Uh, he well, listen, listen, Jaylene, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take over these presentations. Well, you can just go on in the battle if you're feeling so bad. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I, I think I got PowerPoint on this rig. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he has the powers of PowerPoint with his light. That is perfect. And, and I apologize to whatever recruit gets that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these new characters uh, will... You know, I kind of <clears throat> he's kind of like uh, Terry Long to me, you know, Terry Long from the Teen Titans, where it's a character you hate, but it's almost like a necessary evil. That's true. Because because like there is a level of comfort there. It is like you kind of see him and you're like, ah, this guy again. You know, you kind of get that 
like kind of bad taste in the back of your mouth, but it's like, yeah, but he kind of belongs. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, but <laughs> but I, 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 I thought this was a really fine issue. Um, and uh, just just the new evolution of the team. Um, I like how it worked for us on a meta level, which I, I wouldn't assume worked for everybody, but just the, the discomfort. And uh, like you said, when you when you go from junior high to high school and you meet these all, all new people who are like sort of familiar, but at the same time, totally new. You instantly and don't like them. It's like a new new work true. environment. It's the same thing. Like you, you, you instantly, as a store manager, I'm transferred from you know one store to the other every few mm-hmm. years, and instantly you start with like this uncomfortable vibe. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. and it, and it doesn't have anything to do with. I mean, these people are exactly it's the same as personal. the other group. Yeah. No, but you're used to what you what you're brought up with. So mm-hmm. just the uncomfortable nature. I guess us as humans have a you know a a comfortable a comfort level being comfortable you know what i mean sure sure it's it's like it's like you know whenever like facebook or twitter does an update right like Ugh. they'll do an update and everyone will be like oh man it was perfect before why'd they change it and then <laughs> and then two years later when they change it again the same people are like it was perfect before why'd they change it <laughs> it's like well, what are you gonna do but i i just uh, i like how that works on so many different levels because like you said, it's like an instant just distrust. It's like these people are interlope, interlopers. They don't belong here. And uh, just like they are noticing that the people that they're teaming with aren't so bad after all, we're kind of getting the feeling that, okay, okay, maybe they fit. Maybe they work. And, uh, I mean, not like we have a choice. They're here. Exactly. <laughs> so we might as exactly well right. That's the it. Now, you know, as we always do, we learned a whole heck of a lot about our team and the the world of Earth was it 12 1287 one of these times i'll get that marvel earth 1287 i'll be able to just rattle that off it just doesn't sound right but uh we also learned a lot about the world at large here uh we do get a bullpen bulletins here wow but it's uh it's nothing it's nothing it's 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 an editor circle jerk it's a it's <laughs> not it's literally like, but it's, no it's not, not literally good. not literally and don't google that um <laughs> it's uh it's just like hey we got some cool editors and this is what they edit and, and like they wasted so much space on this to where the the checklist of what comes out is limited to like six books it's like and they actually say sorry we didn't have space to uh to do a full checklist we just really wanted to talk about what our editors are editing but guess guess what's not listed again no strike force murray terry like they are literally going out of their way not to promote this book, and it's a real, real shame because oh, it's, yeah. compared to what's on this shelf, I mean, this, this book is, is outstanding. Solid. Yep. Yeah, because last time we uh, looked at a checklist, they listed Strike Force Murray Terry seven, but they didn't have a blurb. Here, eight isn't even listed. Yeah, they've they've <laughs> they've literally given up. They've given up at this point. Mm-hmm. Now we do have some notables though. We do have. A pretty important one here, Amazing Spider-Man issue 290. And we get a blurb of Peter Parker crosses one of the most significant thresholds of his life. Whatever you do, don't miss this issue. Now, do you remember this issue? Amazing Spider-Man 290. Mm -hmm. Well, mm, I don't. Peter Parker takes a knee and proposes. Oh, wait a second. Of course I do. What a a, a moron. Absolutely I do. I was like heavily, heavily involved with uh, Spider-Man at this point and anything to do with Spider-Man and MJ. I mean, I was all over this potential wedding. I mean, the cover, I I recall the cover, it's like a... 
uh, a white cover and white he's cover. ready to pop the question and like this looming uh you know black suit is just looming over them yep. as he's ready to pop the question absolutely i recall this now is this the time where she says yes or where she says no i don't think she says yes uh it's the first one because he, he yeah. proposed twice I so think it's this, really, really quick. When she says yes, I mean they're they're like off to t- <laughs> they're off to uh, off to the stadium to get married right away. Yeah, they're <laughs> off to that annual real, real quick. Now <laughs> we we don't really talk about Spider Man too much. What were your thought? What are your thoughts on the on the wedding? What are your thoughts on the the Spider marriage? Oh, listen, um, I'm and it's no secret if you read my blog, I love the whole Mary Jane Peter dynamic. I mean, Mary Jane is my Spidey girl, okay? Not Gwen Stacy. I know a lot of people have a lot of love for Gwen, but I'm an MJ girl all the way around. And I know that the Spider marriage, as they twisted it and turned it, uh, they went from, you know, a struggling couple to this rich, uh, you know, Spider-Man. Oh, supermodel, yeah. Where she's a supermodel. I think they really, really did some damage to the couple by, by ta- making them, like, pretty well celebrities in their own in re- yeah. own regard, you know what I mean? And I think that really hurt the book, but I think it was a, uh, a characterization issue. And I think a lot of people, a lot of fans, have a real love for the Spider-Man, MJ, or Peter, MJ dynamic, so... For sure. You know, I know I know they did one more day where they broke them up and they did all kinds of damage and all that stuff. But I think you know my uh, my Peter Parker will always have his MJ. For sure, I'm I'm right there with you. It's uh, you know, they talked about like the big deal that around the time of One More Day or even just uh even like the Burn Mackey reboot of uh the turn of the century, they they complained that you know Peter was no longer relatable because he was married and it's like, it's like I don't think it was because he, he's married. Exactly, I think he it's him like. Up. It's like, well, he he's living in the deluxe apartment in the sky with Mary Jane. It's like that's that's not relatable so much. He also can he also dresses up like a like a like a spider and and, and crawls on walls. That's not relatable. But uh, they pick the marriage just because he's married. That makes him unrelatable to people. It's uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. Totally, totally. And it just seemed like the the right evolution for the character at the time. I mean. He was a he's a character that has uh, he's a rarity in comics. He actually aged. Yes, you know? absolutely. We, we start with him as a teenager in high school. He goes through college. He starts grad school. He gets jobs. He gets married. I mean, uh, during right before the Clone Saga, MJ gets pregnant. <laughs> you know, it, he, it he lives like, he lives a real life. A and life. That's that, and that's what that's what they got away from. They mm-hmm. went away from a real realistic life scenario to basically celebrity rich upper class and that's actually what killed it that is exactly what did it there and uh they tried they tried like crazy to undo the marriage so many different ways uh going back to the clone saga where they replaced them it's like well well it's like well the one you've been following isn't the real spider-man so uh we can let him be married and and go off to seattle and have babies (laughs) oh no and you're gonna follow ben riley for the rest of uh the rest of our days here but uh and they even like did that thing where they had MJ get a stalker uh, during the Burn Mackey reboot. Oh, I recall. I recall. Uh, and then they blew up the plane she was on, but like there was like that little bit of debris. <laughs> <laughs> Which was MJ surviving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't even because I know JMS put them back together, but it was kind of like they didn't even mention the stalker or the airplane explosion. It was just like 
it just became a thing where like MJ moved to LA to be an actress and they, and they were, they just had distance between them and they, they weren't I, sure what their marriage was going to be. I think the entire creative team were taking like a, <laughs> a dump on the side here with this entire project. I don't, I don't think they really, really had a game plan of where they were going with this marriage. They knew it was in trouble. They knew that the character was struggling sales wise and they had to do something to ramp it up and make For a sure difference. So yeah. they had, they had to get MJ away from Peter somehow. So, you know, yeah, a so de facto then, plane crash, you know, was probably not the worst idea. And then a deal with the devil. A deal oh. with the devil. And, and, you know, I feel like when I read – I actually read that on Christmas Eve uh, back in 2007. Uh, it was the same day that I finally watched Eraserhead for the first time. Oh, you poor man. Poor man. <laughs> so I watched Eraserhead and I read the last part of One More Day. And uh, I always thought that it was such a missed opportunity. You know, they traded the marriage for Aunt May's life basically. Yep. And I thought it would have been so cool to have, you know, okay, it's like, okay, let's wipe the marriage out. And then, you know, you go to a scene of Aunt May walking around, walking down the street, and then she gets hit by a car, you know? It's <laughs> like, you, you don't that make a deal with the devil. Awesome. <laughs> it's like, well, now you lost everything, you idiot. You know, uh, you don't make a deal with the devil. So if you do that, you lose everything. So uh, I love it. That was that was my what if story that eventually I'll I'll write and and, and self publish. <laughs> <laughs> You're a horrible man. I am the worst. Um, we have our Mephisto versus miniseries where he faced you know the X Men, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers. Uh, it wraps up, Good. and it wraps up with the promise that it's going to cross over with Thor number three eighty one. Why, why would you? Why would you? Why would you wrap up a miniseries in in an ongo? It seems like something they would do now at Marvel. It's <laughs> like rudderless. oh, it's like it's like oh, your you, fear itself is over, but here's fear itself number seven point three, <laughs> yep, and then seven point four is in an issue of Captain America, and seven point five is in an issue of New Avengers. Come <laughs> on, just uh, uh, we get a few uh, launches here. A few ongoing series launches. Uh, the Punisher, number one. He gets his first ongoing after his mini. Uh, so we also- the Punisher. He loved this character ever since Amazing 129. Mm-hmm. Um, loved the Punisher. Uh, the Mike Zek miniseries. I was a yep. huge fan of that book. And that's that's what I thought I was getting when I got the Punisher number one ongoing. I, I don't oh, know no, if no. I was be- – no, indeed not. <laughs> indeed not. There was no Mike Zek. In the- Who was the artist on that one? I don't remember. Bertal? No, I sure don't. Oh, man, I got to do my research on this, but it was a huge, huge letdown for me. I mean, my God, I don't know if you're familiar. Anyone familiar with Mike Zek's work knows that he's got this distinct look. I mean, it's similar to Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's version mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, of the DC universe. I mean, this guy had it down, but uh, then you go to this, and I mean, I was. Oh. <laughs> to say I to say I was let down doesn't doesn't begin to uh, to describe my my hatred for this book. But it was one of those books I had to have because it was Punisher, so I kept buying it over and over. Sure, and sure. Similar to Silver Surfer, I kept buying that crap too, and I didn't like that either. Now <laughs> so. the Silver Surfer that that's the other number one that launched this time, and that's that Steve Englehart uh, run. Yep. And uh, I mean, it, it, that's like that's like stacking sleeping pills for me. Uh, Absolutely, you know, Steve, me too. If Steve Englehart and Silver Surfer, and, and you know, if I'm taking a pill named Steve Englehart and a pill named Silver Surfer, I'm probably not waking up for a little while. <laughs> I, I I don't know what it is about Englehart. I just never really glommed onto his work so much. I liked some of his Green Lantern core, but uh, yeah, 
not not a favorite um and silver surfer in and of himself i i've never i've never been down with silver surfer i don't know what the allure is it just seems like a and they've tried radical takes on him um and i've never even like that recent like dan slot sort of doctor who ripoff that they did yeah i i couldn't get into that Me i like the i like the mike all red art but i mean that that, that, that you know it, there's got to be a story there too um, yes please but i do remember like the most interesting thing about silver surfer is that there was a uh, mini or there was an ongoing series actually in the mid 2000s and uh, the artist on it disappeared Oof. i think his name was like milks or something like that and he just I... disappeared <laughs> probably like, for the better <laughs> two issues in he was just gone <laughs> Nobody could find him. He just vanished off the face of the earth. Uh, boy. But uh, those are that, that's our very thin list of Marvel notables because they didn't include very many because they needed to pat editors on the back. Um, now, we do have ads, though, and we have a new fleet of ads here. We've been kind of retreading ads here, a lot of Gumby and Pokey crap, but we have new ads. <laughs> First one we're going to discuss is Mickey Mouse Club. So... Uh, if you buy Oreos, you can save $2 on your membership into the Mickey Mouse Club. Were you ever a member of the Mickey Mouse Club, or are you currently? I am. Uh, listen, if there was any way to do it with this Mickey Mouse Club today, my wife would have me signed up immediately. <laughs> and I'm telling you, for only $5.99, you get a set of mouse ears. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. been to Disney World at all, but mouse ears are certainly not $5.95 anymore. How much and you do those get... cost? I figure oh, they're probably listen, wildly they, expensive. They, they range from $20, and they could go up to – you can get them diamond and gold encrusted now for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Oh, my goodness. These things – it's not just a set of mouse ears anymore. They have them themed. Uh, every single park has their own set of mouse ears. Uh, you can get R2-D2 mouse ears. You can get uh, Maleficent mouse ears. I mean, anything you want, you can get. So mm. this has taken a life on of its own. But for five ninety five for a set of mouse ears, boy, Disney Not would never bad, offer right? this anymore. Nope. <laughs> no, I've never I've never really been a big Disney guy. So it's, I, I've never been to the parks. I, I don't really – I'll watch the movies up until they start singing, and then I'm done. My wife would slap you in the face. <laughs> I check out as soon as they, and your as mother. soon as the music starts to build, it's like okay, done, can't do this. But uh, in addition to your mouse ears, you do get a membership card. All right. You also get a free passport offer to Disneyland and Disney World, which that ain't cheap, right? What is that about? Hmm. I don't know because my wife, my wife is is a big Disney fan, and she'll. Uh, we live in in Arizona, so it's not too terribly far to drive to Disneyland from us. It's like a five-hour drive, so she'll uh, she'll sometimes do that. Um, in addition to all this, all that we've already mentioned, you get exciting gifts of an, of a nondescript nature, as well as the thrice annually Mickey's Clubhouse newsletter. And I'm a I'm a newsletter guy. I always enjoyed getting a newsletter of some sort, even if it was like New England Comics, and they would send out a catalog and a small newsletter. I always enjoyed those things. So absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So. Hell one yes. of those uh, one of those physical niceties that we just don't yes. have anymore in this new digital exactly. age, because now Truth. you would just get a you would just get a code to put into a website oh. and uh, find your you'd find your Mickey's Clubhouse news. Oh my uh, God! So I got to tell you about this. Sure. So there's a, there's a Cheerios in Canada right now has a um, a promotion on, and okay. if you go into the Cheerios box, there's no prize inside. There's a code. Now, Chris, ask me what the code is for. Oh. 
Mm, I don't know. What's the code well, for? The code is for a bag tag. What? Yes. Yes, sir. So it's a back to school type feature and you can actually get a little not not the bag tag in the sense that we would think of hit smacking somebody in the nuts. But <laughs> it is actually it is actually a bag tag where you clip a name badge on your, on like, your backpack on your backpack. Or bag, yeah. And but there's there's none contained inside the cereal itself. No, no. You've got to send away for it with a code. Oh, that's ridiculous. It's like because yeah. like a, a bag tag ain't huge. They could have fit that in a cereal box. <laughs> yes. Wow, it no. almost seems like it costs more to ship. I'm just oh, saying anything that's a kid cereal, don't have the word bag in there at all. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, speaking of uh, holding the bag here, we have uh, an ad for Aurora <laughs> stock cars. Smooth. Were you, we, yeah, very, very good transition. Have you have you ever been into the uh, the stock car uh, racing sort of thing? I think it's one of those things in life where I just don't get. I'm a Same. wrestling fan, and I know that I really can't speak a lot to <laughs> to being pop culturally relevant uh, <laughs> because it's probably not the coolest thing in the world. But stock cars going around the track indiscriminately, I I don't know if I just don't understand or I don't care. But now uh, we somehow we had stock those little stock car things in in the house when i was growing up i don't know if they maybe they're my father's or maybe like now, just somebody gave them to us the actual the actual racetrack itself was a thing that my cousins always had so they've okay. they always had toy racetracks sure but um i don't i don't know they they never ever work properly for me they every don't. time i no, every press time on I, the gas and the things fly off yeah they fly off they break really easy and that was I think my parents always wanted to get me one, mm-hmm. but every time they'd bring it up, you know, what do you want for Christmas this year? Would you like a racetrack? And I'm like, no, no. not really. You're sure? <laughs> and I'm, they were determined to get me a damn racetrack, and I'm glad that I held off because uh, the amount of friends who were frustrated on Christmas morning because one of their cars flew off and smashed into a wall and well, it was endless. <laughs> and the but, wheels fell off. <laughs> yeah. It would always be like – it would get like stuck in between like the little hinge where the two parts of the track meet. Like you'd get one yes, tire stuck yes. in there. It would like yes. stand on its end and start spinning the back wheels. It's like oh, this isn't man. fun. And the whole idea behind stock car racing anyway, I, I never really liked. Mm. So, I mean, you know, with a racetrack at home – you know, you press a bit of gas and your car would go flying and your mm-hmm. friend would still be on the track and then you'd have to stop everything, stop the race. And, oh, yeah, uh, or get your hand run over if you try to put it back on. <laughs> oh, they, they always finally, did that. My and they finally, uh, they finally got smart, these, uh, these tracks, because they made it a feature where, like, the paths would cross and one of them would get knocked off. So it's because they knew one was flying off anyway. You're damn right it is. So now it's like, ooh, let's make it a feature. <laughs> now, <laughs> now people can't complain when they fly off because it's supposed to. You can keep your Aurora stock car track, folks. Yes. I'm not fighting you for it. <laughs> but what I would fight you for is for a glass of Tang. Ooh, now this is probably the the ad of this issue. <laughs> it's a yes, you could be an orange big shot with Tang. And there's a really cool 80s kid uh, in this picture, and he, he looks a lot like uh, Jason Bateman did in It's Your who, Move. Who was super mega popular back in 87. I always wanted to be Jason Bateman. Oh, who didn't? I mean, uh, did, have you ever seen It's Your Move? I don't think so. Oh, man, you, you, this is this is a fun show. It only had like 13 episodes. It's an early Jason Bateman. Uh, well, not, not the earliest, because he was on Little House on the Prairie for a couple of seasons, but... Uh, this is an early Jason Bateman with uh, the guy who played Steve Rhodes on Married with Children. Yeah, I'm looking like at it right now. Foil, yeah. and it's uh, 
it's really cool. Uh, Jason Bateman's mom's a divorcee, and uh, uh, what's his face? Steve Rhodes moves in across the hall, and they start dating, and Jason Bateman does not like it. Ah. So, and he plays he plays kind of like the prototypical Zach Morris. It's ah, like cool. he's a trickster, he's a con man, and the whole thing is a competition between Bateman and uh, was it David Garrison is uh, Steve Rhodes. So it's it's a it's just competition between the two of them, just one upping one another with every every single scene. They're just screwing with each other, and it's a uh, oh, it's such a fun series. I, I don't check know. it out. Is it available like YouTube would have this or what? YouTube oh, took it hello? off. Oh, they took it off. Okay. Yeah, they took it off, and uh, I don't know why because they don't have any kind of uh, they don't have any kind of commercial version of this, which really stinks. But uh, if you go to a place that rhymes with uh, Mally Doshin, you might be able to find some of it. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I will check it out. <laughs> but I, I would recommend checking it out. It's it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of my favorites that I that I've I only discovered it within the past handful of years, but it's it's a lot of fun. But the cool, uh, the cool thing about this ad, so you have a Jason Bateman type kid. He's on yep. one knee. He's throwing a ball and he's just rocking the Tang merchandise. Oh, he is now, a shill and a half. Yeah. Oh, he has the Tang shirt, the sunglasses, the headband, a ball. He's got mm-hmm. like weird stuff hanging off his side. And in his hand, Chris, what is in his hand? Well, this is this is a a look that you. Oh God, oh God, I just looked at it. <laughs> I know what it well, really is, but it also <laughs> it also looks. It looks phallic in nature, um, and it's, it's got a cord, flavored. and it's got a cord coming off of it. Oh, oh. so it's a. Uh, is it plugged in or? <laughs> I, it looks like it might be. It is a very problematic picture. Uh, we will include this because it's something that I don't think we can do justice to explaining. No, and, but and, it's and, a, I and I think we should keep it PG. So just take a look at the yeah. uh, be a big tang orange big shot ad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now the the cool thing about this picture is you can, in theory, dress just like this kid and have all the cool stuff that he has. <laughs> I mean, you get some cool tang stuff here, and it really looks like a who's who of what's what from what you might get from Captain O if you sold a bunch of garbage to your neighbors and relatives. <laughs> now that phallic object is actually a phone in the shape of a numeral one. So uh the angle that it's shot at, it does not look like a number one. But uh, he's ready for it. <laughs> he's sure. He, he's he's prepared and ready. He's he's ready, <laughs> willing, and able. Um, now, if you want this phallic phone, it will cost you ten dollars. So ten bucks for a phone—that's a pretty good deal. That, that's about a billion dollars in '87. It is. It's, it, well, you, this is a phone you want. This is definitely a phone you want. Uh, you can also get an AM slash FM radio. Ooh. Batteries not included for seven dollars twenty five cents, and of course, you know a certain amount of Tang proofs of purchase. You can get a Tang T-shirt, which is a bright orange T-shirt with the word Tang on it, the which guaranteed that you'll be beaten, beaten, <laughs> stuffed in a locker, <laughs> probably stripped for. Uh, it, you know, I, I would love to find something like this in a thrift store. Can you imagine just coming across this? Gi- and, and when we say like it, the word Tang is on the shirt, it is like from the neck to the crotch. It says there's tang. no missing this Tang kid. No, you can see this thing from space. It's a uh, they'll know that you're shilling for Tang and uh, you can get this Tang T-shirt for three dollars and fifty cents. Uh, the things that are hanging off of young Jason Bateman's side here are Tang suspenders. 
Wow. Yes, you need tank suspenders in your life. So they he, are was, both- he was being a hipster and just not wearing the suspenders. He was just hanging them off his side. So he was like well ahead of the fashion curve here. Oh, yeah, because I remember in junior high school, like kids would wear like the overalls, but only one strap would be strapped and the Very other one cool. would be like flung That's over their true. back. That was Very the coolest cool. thing ever. Wow. I, w- I wasn't cool enough to do that myself. No, but, nor, uh, nor I, my friend. Very few are. But uh, <laughs> these tank suspenders are both orange and adjustable, in case you were wondering. And uh, they're allegedly cooler than a belt. They say they are cool. They say this thing is cooler than a belt. So, uh, I-, I mean, they have no reason to lie to us. They've never lied to us before. <laughs> It's um, tank, for God's sakes, giving kids too. diabetes for <laughs> since 87. <laughs> now, for uh, $2.75 plus some proofs of purchase, you can wear some orange adjustable uh, suspenders or just have them hang from your waist. You can get a pocket light without batteries for $3, which I guess that's something. You can get a pocket watch, you know, in case your pocket only has the light in it. Now you have a pocket watch with a chain for $3.75. A Tang headband. Could you imagine wearing a Tang headband? <laughs> I can now that you speak of it. Oh, I actually want one right now. <laughs> we got we got a, you know, if we had a merch store, we'd have a, we, we would need a Tang, uh, <laughs> a tang <laughs> We've gone from Smarties has been kicked to the curb as our official sponsor. We are now <laughs> Tang people. If only we can get Tang flavored Smarties, you know. Oh, I'm or, definitely or the, the tweeting Tang right Right after this show, I'm definitely <laughs> tweeting Tang and getting them on board with a sponsorship. Yes, free headbands to all the recruits. Uh, now, these these headbands <laughs> back in 87 cost $1.25. And uh, what could go better with a headband than Tang sweatbands? Ooh. Yeah, you can wear those Tang sweatbands around your wrists. Also $1.25. Um, I'm assuming there are two, even though this kid's only wearing one. You were like, um, a, like, it's like you're a, like a giant tang asshole. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, the, the look won't be complete without some tang sunglasses. Now, these cost $2.25. They're on the expensive end of our uh, of our tangporium here. But uh, I swear they're worth it because this kid looks <laughs> super cool, super aloof. Um, now, with all the cool things we just mentioned, uh, you know, some – you know, clouds do need to come and, and interrupt our, our bright, sunshiny day here. You can get some stickers, some Tang stickers with a sticker dispenser, whatever a sticker dispenser looks like. I don't know what that could be. Kind of kind of lame, but uh, for $1.50, you could find out what a Tang ticket, sticker dispenser looks like. <laughs> you could also get a Tang basketball game. So think like one of those like it's, little nets you put on the back of your door. It's awkwardly placed in this ad. It's Just like, take a look at this. Who who did this ad <laughs> and placed this basketball net on the side? It's like it could be a different ad. It's just <laughs> it's all the way over. Like this kid is knelt in like like all cool, uh, like all the way to the left of the page. This basketball think, hoop is a tiny thing on the right. I think he's doing a shot over his shoulder. I think that's what the intention is here. He's so he cool is. with his tang gear. He doesn't even have to look at the net, and he's gonna land it. Yeah, while he's talking on his phone and looking through sunglasses, he is just he is just banking this shot here, and uh, <laughs> and it looks like I mean his shoes look really cool too. He's got like the giant tongue on his sneakers. <laughs> That's some cool stuff. Those are not Tang branded though, so we will not. Not, uh, not even Jason Bateman was getting a girl dressed as the Tang kid. <laughs> <laughs> no. Would the, you like some Tang, baby? <laughs> just stir it up. Uh, now, <laughs> 
probably the coolest part of this is the part that isn't pictured. You can get the Tang Laser Challenge. I don't know what a Tang Laser Challenge would look like, but it is proclaimed <laughs> as... Possibly orange? I don't know. Probably. Well, you'd you got to figure those lasers are orange, right? <laughs> now, this is proclaimed as the game of the future, and it comes with one light gun, one vest, zero batteries, and zero friends to play with. So... <laughs> Imagine playing Tang Laser Tag. I mean, oh, you were you're a big enough tool with your, <laughs> your Tang shirt, headband, penis uh, penis phone, and basketball net. Now you're a Tang Laser Tag player. <laughs> you imagine walking down the street wearing that. <laughs> now, oh, this is the best be, ad ever. It oh, is literally the best ad ever. It's awesome, but you would have to be like really, really wealthy because the Tang Laser <laughs> Challenge. That costs $27.75. Oh, my God. That's a lot of damn money, isn't it? Now you're broke with only your tang to help you. <laughs> I mean, did, did laser tag even cost that much? <laughs> I don't know. Back in the day, I, I bet you it didn't. I know. Oh, anyway. Oh, boy. But, yeah, we, uh, we'll we include this ad in our notes here because it's, uh, it's really cool it's, here. It's Unfortunately, amazing. Unfortunately, <laughs> though, the orders must be received by December 31st, 1987. So... This is all, uh, you know, aftermarket stuff now. You're going to have to go to third party to get this uh, awesome tank gear. But, uh, oh, boy, that's a good ad. I like that ad a lot. But uh, uh, we do have more to go over. We have Robotech RPG. And, yeah, uh, had it, yeah. never played it. I was going to say, I know you're a Robotech fan, and I'm I'm not a uh, pen and pencil and paper RPG player because uh, of my jitteriness and uh, attention deficit. But uh, you, so you never played it. I owned the damn thing. I bought it and nobody would play it with me. It was like, I don't know. I felt like a real loser with my Robotech role-playing game. I don't know what it was. Anyway, maybe, maybe, maybe it was my Tang shirt I was wearing at the time. That is nobody very would awkward. come around me. People with kids were too busy playing Tang laser tag to play with me. You just didn't have the 2775 to, uh, you had, you had the laser tag and it wasn't compatible. <laughs> exactly. When when they found out that your vest didn't register, they just started throwing rocks at you. <laughs> we got to get this guy out of here. Oh, man. But, uh, oh, man. Another one, another really good ad here. This is for Lady Shogun Martial Arts Society. Ooh. And it's a, a Ninja Star Target game. Um, now, we're, we're both wrestling fans. And uh, one of the big names from the 90s, and even to a point today, is uh, Eric Bischoff. And uh, he often yes. tells a story of he and uh, a fellow named Sonny Ono going into business with a with a uh, with a concept called Ninja Star Wars which is exactly the same thing as this. So I mean this is an interesting ad here that uh, includes six velcro tipped foam throwing stars. They want you to know that they're foam. <laughs> that is oh, the God. most important part of it. You no get, one's losing an eye. No one is losing an eye today. Uh, we get four ninja face brackets. I don't know what the hell a face bracket is, but uh you get four of them. Um, <laughs> Thank you God. also you also get a Velcro headband with which I suppose you could uh, store your Velcro tipped foam throwing stars or have them thrown at you and remain like embedded in your head. Um, <laughs> you also get ninja face targets, which I don't know if that's different from a face bracket, but you get a face target. <laughs> the possibilities uh, of oh, ninja dumb are endless. Endless. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to look up the lady shogun. Lady shogun sounds like a like a like a lady's razor, you know, like a. <laughs> Like they shave their the legs. Lady Shoguns. <laughs> Get that bikini line intact. <laughs> there you ne- go. Ne- never but walk you... around like a fool with your bikini. 
<laughs> and you can get this for $9.50 plus shipping and handling. So uh, if you've got uh, you know 15 bucks, you can be you could be a, a ninja star from a uh, lady shogun. But uh, I think that's uh, that's about all the time we will uh, take from you this week. Uh, had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, do you want to start doing some uh, some plugging? Sure, my brother. Well, you can find me at Charlton underscore hero on Twitter. Also, check out my retro ramblings over on the Superhero Satellite. Hit me up on the Google and you shall find that. And uh, just a little, uh, little throw out here. Uh, don't forget our Strikeforce Moratory Moratory Mondays certificate program. Just shoot us a DM. Tell us that you want to fight the horde and you can join in with the action every Monday here on Moratory Mondays. Mm-hmm. which may or may not include a tang headband <laughs> damn it <laughs> we don't know it, it all depends on the, the the next trip to the thrift store we'll find out <laughs> i'll give you the tang phone that's all i'm telling you Ugh. make sure you wash it first um <laughs> now you can find me at ace comics on twitter uh, also at chris and reggie.com and at chris is on infinite earths.com Uh, We had a heck of a good time introducing these new team members to the fold, and uh, we hope you're enjoying this as well. Things are going through uh, cha-cha-cha changes, so uh, we understand that it's going to be a rocky road for a little while here, and uh, we'll be settled in just soon enough for some of these guys to die. So (laughs) it's just our (laughs) lot in life as as Maury Turi chroniclers, and uh, it's, uh, you know, if not us, then who, so... That's about, about the size of it. But uh, we want to thank you so, so much for hanging out with us this morning or this afternoon or whenever you're listening to us. We appreciate it more than you can ever know. Uh, we will talk to you again real soon. Absolutely. Have a good day, everybody. See ya.